Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at viking.com. Coming up on the Money Beat Podcast, 2015 was a great year for M&A. 2016 is turning out to be a terrible year for M&A. Office Depot and Staples, that deal got scuttled, and that is only the leading edge of what is a record year already for broken deals. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Welcome to the Money Beat podcast on this just glorious Wednesday. And it's rub- it's, it's starting to grow on me, the music. The bumper I, music? I, I, I wasn't there on, on Friday. You're there now. I'm, or Monday, I should say. Or Monday, I'm, right. I'm, I'm, You're I'm getting there. there. Yeah. I tell you, it sticks in your head. It sticks in your head. Uh, if you picked up the Wall Street Journal today, folks, you could not help but notice on the front page, M&A is a big, big story today. Last night, this is Wednesday. We're but talking, not folks. for the reasons you want. But not for the reasons you want. Or right. the bankers want. Right. So uh, last night, Tuesday night, after the markets closed, word came down that the U.S. government basically told Staples and Office Depot, "No, you cannot merge." For a second time. For a second time. Right. They tried this once in the '90s. Were turned down at a very different time for their market. They tried it again last year, announced it in 2015, a $6.3 billion merger. Uh, the government came out today and said, no, you can't do it. It's an antitrust violation, which they – I thought it was really interesting the story. They basically didn't even offer a defense. They thought the government case was so weak. And apparently it wasn't. So we're talking about M&A today. Uh, another story on the front page is by Liz Hoffman, who's sitting right to my right. Uh, Dana Simaluka, editor on the M&I team, is here also. And, of course, Stephen Grosser. So, yeah, big year for M&A last year, big year for M&A this year, but not the same kind of big year. No, no. It's uh, what is it? Three hundred and seventy-eight million. This does not cl- include actually the Staples office in scuttled deal in, in deals that have deals. now with, been with, withdrawn, withdrawn right, deals. Right. Um, and withdrawn means also like you know the sort of the unsolicited slash hostile offers that get pulled as well. Uh, but that's a lot. I mean, that is already a full year record. It's not just a record year date. It's a full year record wow. easily. Yeah. Um, and it all, this year also claims the two, I, I think it's the two biggest withdrawn deals of all time with uh, Pfizer, Allergan. Right, and, which is a $150 billion deal, right? Yeah. That's yeah. a huge deal. Yeah. That now does not exist anymore. Uh, you know, I, before we go broad, let's go a little narrow, because Liz Hoffman, your story, A1 Today, uh, the story that you wrote with Alice Insider, really interesting story about this uh, energy transfer Williams deal, which is – it really sort of encapsulates everything that's gone wrong with M&A. Yeah, it hasn't fallen apart, um, and if Williams has their way, it won't. Uh, but it, it does show you that that these big deals, these big signature deals that kind of define the boom, are are really very vulnerable to um, to markets turning, to buyers' remorse. Right? These are people at the end of the day, and that's kind of what happened here. You got this big oil man, Kelsey Warren, at Energy Transfer, uh, who spent a lot of last summer chasing Williams, which didn't want to be bought, signed the deal. Oil, uh, as you guys all know, has continued to go south. Uh, the credit markets got a little a little uh, antsy for a while, um, and ET really wants out of this deal, uh, and they've they've got a contract, uh, and that's sort of where we are. But um, this was a th- you know when it was announced, it was a fifty billion dollar deal. 
by the fall, it was you know in the 30s because the stock market had, had tanked mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, it was a huge deal, and uh, and it's going very badly. And, and it's gotten ugly. I mean, they're dueling lawsuits. You had the uh, energy transfer CEO was like, "I have a deal I can't close right now because of you know there's a tax issue involved." Yeah, it happened. I mean, you saw this uh, last in the financial crisis where people had signed deals and then the market went sour and they tried really really hard to get out of them and. Um, and that's what ET is doing right now. It's trying very hard to make life really unpleasant for Williams. They, they, you discovered what a Mac was. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and during the financial crisis. Right. Uh, how much, uh, how hard was it for you and Allison to get there? This is a really detailed story. And, and I would actually advise anyone to go find it. If you have it in the paper, it's on A1, uh, or you can find it online. This is a very detailed story. You got inside. It almost feels like, you know, I know this is kind of cliche, but it's like you got inside the boardroom for, for these deals. How much effort went into tracking down this story? Uh, you know, I think if you've been paying attention <clears throat> to the deal uh, over the last six months, it was clear there was something there. And, um, you know, we try to pick our spots carefully. And, and it, uh, it worked out very well that, that sort of all of our reporting came together. Uh, right after, so Williams, as Steve said, just sued. Um, they've got these dueling lawsuits. They've sued the the chairman of of Energy Transfer personally, and he's taking that really badly. Uh, and so this all kind of crescendoed at a at a moment um, that uh, that worked really well. But but you know, like the next, I would say three to four weeks are are going to what are going to be what determines whether the deal happens or not. And um, uh, you know, it's it's a it'd be a big one to fall, not as big as Pfizer or Allergan, but in some ways, um, you know, more interesting because. Regulators can come in and just say no, but this is really about like market forces and um, and sort of like the industrial logic of the deal. Yeah, it would be big. Um, it, it, interestingly, a lot of what we're seeing now is external forces causing deals to break apart. But this shows that sometimes things can internally combust. You know, we had another situation. You know, again, assuming this deal does fall apart, it might very well not. But we had another. And it's by the way, it's it's not that. It's not just a symptom of um, unstable markets. You know, if you remember a year or two ago, there was a very big ad agency deal that fell apart um, because the two sides couldn't agree on fundamental issues. Like um, who was going to be CEO, right, and, and lead the, the companies? Right. What deal was that? That was uh, Omnicom Publicis. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. But you know that happened. There, there. You know, deals fall apart all the time. Especially as Steve was saying, some of the deals in the mix here are unfriendly deals. And in a scenario like that, the goal of the target is for it to fall apart, and that always happens. But was um, like, you saw that with United uh, or Honeywell making a bid for United Technology. They go went public with it because United Technology wasn't engaging, and then a few weeks later decided to um, pull the the offer. Right, and Canadian Pacific, there Norfolk Southern, one, same yep. same deal. It's very hard to do. Uh, hostile deals that have regulatory problems too, because you kind of need both sides to go into DC and and be rowing in the same direction. And when they're not, it's it's uh, Dana. You can tell me you can think of the last one that got done. It's pretty hard, right? I mean, the the biggest Liz, you tell me if you disagree, but the the biggest factor right now, the biggest enemy of M and A right now is the government. You have other deals that are falling apart for other reasons, but the the biggest unifying theme has got to be the government when you take. Um, you know, Halliburton, Baker Hughes, um, Pfizer, Allergan. That's why those deals fell apart. Yeah, and yeah. Staples Office Depot. Of course, now. and, and of right. course today Staples Office right. Depot. Right. And, and, and both stocks are getting just hammered. I haven't, I didn't look when we came in before to tape this, but, I mean, 
they, they were just getting slammed today because this deal fell apart. And there are people that will tell you that this is like a natural, healthy thing, right? There's been a huge M&A boom, mostly um, dominated by big companies merging with each other, right? Whereas, you know, look at 2006 and seven. there was a lot of private equity deals. These are two, you know, one and three, two and three yeah. in an industry combining. And eventually you're going to hit a point where the government says no. And, and, you know, it seems like there's kind of gotten to the line. There's been a pushback. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that is the interesting part, was the boom that we saw that really took off last year was companies within the same industry, um, you know, trying to get together and grab synergies and market share, because that's the only way to sort of really grow your um, your bottom line and your top line. And that's when the government gets sort of <laughs> concerned. You ha- We haven't gotten to the point in the merger market where you get the sort of crazy deals that are, you're like, where are the synergies? Right. I mean, t- to me, the big question now, watching all this, is um, are companies still going to try to do deals? Um, it's going to be really interesting to see in the balance of this year. W- you know, you have this major tension. There are real reasons why companies want to merge nowadays. Like Steve is saying, it's a sluggish economy. It's very difficult to get growth. M&A is one way to do it. You know, you cut a lot of costs out and you can get bottom line growth again. Um, but set against that, you have a government that really seems determined to stand in the way, in the way of a lot of these things. And it's going to be really interesting to see whether companies continue to plow forward in a sign, perhaps, that they're just so desperate to get growth. Well, I mean, that's what I think that's an actually interesting point that speaks to the election that we're going into, because you oftentimes hear this from bankers and stuff like that. And during an election season, oh, you know, we're going to hold off on doing deals. But I think really you can make a fair argument that they should this year. I mean, hmm. like, you know, you're talking about within like less than a year, you're going to have a, a whole new Justice Department and FTC in there. If you're going to do one of these deals, why not sort of why wait least or late to later in the year where it's going to be going through antitrust right. regulate uh, like right. you know under new administration let's uh let's take a break because we have an important message for our great listeners and we will be back on the other side of this talking MA. hi this is jason gay sports writer at the wall street journal and i have a podcast called free for all and guess what it's not just sports we'll also talk about some real estate some music some culture some fashion i could talk about fashion it's the free for all become a subscriber on itunes follow us on twitter at wsj podcasts and check us out at wsj.com Slash podcasts. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, this is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now, from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. See, I see Liz Hoffman dancing in her seat a little bit there. The new bumper music. I like the tunes. It it kicks it, right? It's great. It's great. All right. Uh, Before we get back to M&A, we have to do this because we talked about doing this on Monday's podcast, and we couldn't quite technically pull off this feat. But Tanya, our snap great producer, assures us today we have the potential Money Beat podcast bumper music candidates, and we are going to play them for you. And we're going to vote here in the studio on on which one to use. And we want you to vote on Twitter. We're at WSJ Podcasts. Or you could uh, tweet at me, at Paul Vigna. We are going to vote on the bumper music. And the vote will determine which bumper music we pick, uh, unless we don't like what you folks out there vote and we like what we like better anyhow. And then we're going to choose what we want. So (laughs) without further ado, all right, Tanya, what are our options for the Money Beat Podcast bumper music?
rocking to the Money Beat Podcast. What do you think, Dana? That's, uh, that's it's a got pop- a nice seventies uh, kind of yeah, thing huh? to it. I'm right. a big fan of the seventies. Little roadhouse almost, right? Oh no, no kind of dirty. If we were doing, you know, like a seventies cop show, I'd be totally in favor of that. That would be yeah. right, right. Grocer and Vina. Yeah, yeah. Come around the corner in the car. <laughs> All right, okay, that's one, folks. And, and just number them. Go give me like when you vote, just go one, two, three, or four. I think we have four, so just go one, two, three, or four. Making money with the Bunny Bee Podcast today. Now you're going Number back two, in time. Yeah, that's like right. 60s. That's like exactly. 60s, right? 60s. That, that's like cocktail music almost, right? You know? Yeah. Making money was fun in it's the early 60s, 60s with the Bunny Bee. Yeah, it's early 60s. All right. All right. Kennedy, number three. When Kennedy was president. Give us, give us number three. And they stink so bad this year. Deals are breaking up. That's what we're talking about on the Money Bee Podcast. What do you think, Liz Hoffman, huh? Uh, you got like 80s on there, right? Like got little 80s, 80s on there. Yeah. Right, right, right. That back, one's kind of bad. Back when oh, I had I'm hair. digging that. Yeah, that is a little bad, huh? All right, all right. And number four. I can say this one. No? It's no. like a 90s video game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where's that? Like, it's like a bad raid. It's like that scene in broadcast news where the guys are coming up with the theme music. Yeah. Remember that? It's like the terrible yeah. theme music. Yeah. All right. But hey, if you folks have someone likes it out there. All right. Okay, so those are your choices. One, two, three, or four for the Money Beat podcast bumper music. Uh, and if you don't choose something that we like, we're just going to stick with what we have. Because I like what we have. But three. Dana's going three. Grocer. It's either one or uh, I think the what we have. I, th- I think I'm going with what one we have. One or what we have. Because, you know. Yeah. What do you think, Liz? I liked one. You liked yeah. one? Yeah. So, all right. So we had a one or three vote. We had a three vote. You had, you were one or three. I'm going with what we have. So I, I don't know what that leaves us at. All right, everyone. Uh, cast your votes at WSJ Podcast or at Paul Vina. And if you want to see more of our great podcasts, go to WSJ.com slash podcasts. Listen, listen. Become a subscriber on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. And now we are on Google Play Music app for Android devices out there. Folks, we're talking about M&A. Uh, I know we took an extended break there to do something silly. But let's get back to some real business. Uh, mergers and acquisition, the market this year, not having a good year. A lot of deals are breaking up. What does this do for the banks involved in, in, in getting these deals done? Can't think it's good. Well, it's, it's, doubly, it's doubly bad. And then if you add the other story we do today, it's perhaps triply bad. But, um, you know, you have big fees taken away from them. I mean, if you just do kind of a very rough back of the envelope, if there's been $400 billion of deals in the U.S. that have fallen apart, you know, the rough, you know, rule of thumb, even though it's super rough, is maybe 0.5, you know, half a percent is the fees the banks take home. So I think that would get you to like $2 billion. So we're probably in the ballpark just this year of $2 billion of fees being taken away. Of course, M&A fees don't get paid for the most part until deals close. So that was my question. That was my question. If you're a bank and and you're working, um, you've worked very hard, put in tons of hours, expensive man hours, by the way. Um, those are effectively for naught uh, in terms mm. of fees at this point when the when the deal falls apart. Okay, then you have, then you have the perhaps even worse 
the signaling for the balance of the year? You know, are, are people just not going to do deals? And so are future fees effectively going to get taken away from them? And then finally, just a shout out for a great story that Dana Mattioli did, um, also f- prominently featured in the print journal today on C1. Um, there's a bit of a trend where more companies are doing deals without banks altogether. Um, that's not good news for, for the banks if that huh. continues. And, and one other point is that, to be clear, the fees the banks rake in from M&A deals are gargantuan. I mean, a, a mega deal, you know, one bank, especially if you throw in the financing fees, can walk away, I mean, at the extreme end with $100 million bucks. So we're talking real money. Wow. Yeah, and, and, it's, and it goes. I mean, last year, investment banking revenue was propped up by M&A fees. Um, it accounted for, I think, you know, over 30% of um, the total fees. Hmm. And you saw ECM, DCM, and loans were all down double digits, um, 10%, 14%, 15%. So M&A was really important. This year, um, we're down prior to the Office Depot-Staples merger. We're down $1.2 billion, um, so far this year in lost fees. And the record is 2007 when $2 billion was, were, uh, was lost in uh, withdrawn deals. Wow. So. You, you know, I was thinking what you said before the, the break, Grocer, about maybe now's the time to actually do a deal. But, I mean, you look at the, the trend is – Deals are breaking up, right? I mean, it's a record amount. A lot of uncertainty this year about the election. It seems to me that there are more reasons to not do a deal now and to wait this out than to do a deal now. I don't know. I mean, I'm wrong about that. Dana's shaking his head. I mean, it just seems like, you know, there's a a chill right now in terms of doing deals. Yeah, I mean, uncertainty has got to be the enemy of deal-making, and we've got uncertainty in abundance right now. You have uncertainty on so many levels right Right, now. Right, I mean, you do do not – it's not just, uh, you know, like the regulatory uncertainty. You have market uncertainty. You have a rally Mm -hmm. that has stalled and is sitting there. People are – you know, I think there's a lot of people that are probably concerned. If you're trying to buy a company, do you want to buy it when the – you know, arguably you're at the peak of the year? Um, Then you also have the economic uncertainty. And this is – and this is, I think, over – has been overhanging M&A since the financial crisis of people do not have a lot of confidence about where the economy is going. And if the Fed raises rates, what's going to happen then? Also, just quickly, think about it. If you're Staples and Office Depot, it's a disaster for something like this to happen. I mean, yeah. not forget about the $250 million bucks that it... Um, that it cost Staples or Staples, right, Liz? Yeah. Staples had to pay. Okay. Probably worse. Is that the breakup fee? The yeah. breakup fee. Yeah. I mean, worse than that is, like, you've arguably wasted a year of your corporate lives trying right. to get make this thing happen. Think about what it does for morale. People, those companies have, have been planning for their futures and integrated companies. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, that's blown apart. Um, you got to remember, a, too, with a, Office Depot, it's one thing, you know, if you, if you say to your shareholders, we need to be sold, to then have to go out and say, just kidding, <laughs> we right. can do well, this on our own, we're well, fine, and that's really tough. Yeah, basically. Baker Hughes, I think, is another example of that, you know, where you sit for over a year, you know, in this sort of limbo. Yeah. How do you execute a business strategy? Actually, Baker Hughes during... said something really interesting when their deal fell apart. They yeah. said, you know, like when you have this merger agreement, you're kind of locked into doing things the way you've always done them. And they said, you know, exactly. we would have cut costs very aggressively had we not been been stuck in this thing. Hmm. And so they're now tra- uh, scrambling to try to catch up to um, an industry that's restructured and, dramatically. Yeah, yeah. And, okay. and if you're a rival of those guys or Stables Off Depot, you're saying to yourself, thank God I didn't try to do a deal and probably going to think twice or three times before you strike one yourself. And Allergan, you know, just the Who other day. Who are their day. rivals? Wasn't that the whole problem? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, Schlumber, uh, Schlumberger. Not no, Office no, Depot no. and Staples. No, no, no. But uh, Baker Hughes. 
But yeah, just I'm the right. other day, Allergan, you know, announced results and then and, and bought back a ton of stock and basically signaled to the market no deals for a long time, and that's been a, an absolute deal machine for the last three or four years. Um, that basically said, you know, we're going to lick our wounds for a little while and focus on the business. That's big. Yeah, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you, Liz, getting back to your, your story is. Williams and Equity Trade Equity Trader, right? Equity Trader. Uh, energy Trader. Energy Trader. Tra- yeah, yeah. Energy, yeah. Uh, so now there's this- really boring companies that sounds exactly like what it is. <laughs> yeah, pipeline yeah. company. So now this deal has gotten really nasty, really contentious. Uh, they may be forced to go through with it. It is so nasty now that the, the question is raised of how is this how would a combined company even operate? I think that's really interesting. I mean, look. For the most part, when when companies, you know, it, it, it's a it's it's unpleasant at a senior management level. Though you got to think a lot of the Williams guys would not stick around yeah, if the deal right. closes. Um, and at the end of the day, like most of the rank and file employees, just go about doing their jobs. But but it is tricky, I think, Dana, right, to to sort of start a a marriage on after such a, a rocky engagement. It happens, and companies get over it, and there's dollars and cents reasons to do it. Um, but it's an unpleasant way to start life, I think. And that also, I mean, you, you can answer that, Dana. That was, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. It's, she uh, was I mean, feeding no, you there. I mean, that's what you do. We do in the business, Dana. It, Someone right. mentions your name. It's like, hey, Dana Simaluka, expert. <laughs> I mean, never why do don't you problem. add a little? You know, Liz, is so, Liz is so brilliant. She just says everything. There's nothing left for me to say. Well, I was going to, because I'm not nearly as brilliant as either of you, but I'll, I'll still weigh in. One of the biggest problems you have with M&A is not just completing the deal and getting the deal to the finish line. It's actually executing on the integration. And whether that deal is going to prove to be successful or not, it comes down to really that. And the, and the months and year after the deal is completed... And you're right. I think when you have a rocky start um, to you know the negotiations and everything like that, you're you, you might be setting back the integration process. Yeah, big time. All right, all right. Uh, listen, let's leave it there, folks. Dana Simaluka, Liz Hoffman. I want to thank you both for joining us. I know you guys have a lot to do. Busy on your beat, uh, Stephen Grossbrovich. The interesting thing, folks, is we all sit in the same aisle. We all sit about. Well, Liz and I sit right next to each other. Dana's right behind us. Grocers are two seats. Like this little pod, no pun intended. Uh, we all sit right next to each other, so we basically talk about this stuff. No, actually, you don't. You plus, ta- plus the you Walking talk Dead about the Walking and the Grateful Dead. Right. Dead. Yeah, right, right. Uh, Dana, that's a separate podcast. Where, D- D- where you Dana actually, Dana doesn't like Dead. actually to communicate with anyone during his office hours. He just puts in the Grateful Dead and jams. How about out a, to that how about a dead day. song? Yeah. How about getting a dead song in the mix for the theme song? Uh, I don't think we can afford that. All right, you have to. Yes. We have to. We <laughs> got to get a few more. Yeah, listeners. We have to get a few more listeners. But you're you're tight with Bobby, right? You can. Yeah, you I'll can, work on it. Yeah, you I'll, can work I'll on it. it. I'll put in a word. If he says it's okay, then we can use the. You know. So all right, uh, Dana Simaluka, Walking Dead fan, Fear the Walking Dead fan, Grateful Dead fan, Stephen Grosser, Liz Hoffman, Paul Vini, everyone. Thank you. We'll catch up with you very soon.